Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 534. Teaching all day, not enough. We've got a plan. We've got some jokes for your classroom. We're going to talk about why teaching all day is not enough and uh, and other things relevant for your middle school classroom. So without further ado, here is the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Troy Patterson. All right, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is, and actually is, here this <laughs> yeah. week. He was here last week, too, but, well, we'll explain about that. Without further ado, the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurr. <laughs> hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I am okay. Sometimes updating um, before show is, <laughs> <laughs> is not the best plan. And we so, joked about that We right before you hit the update button, too. Yeah, it normally works. That's true. That's what we joke. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are ten types of people in the world. Ten? Yeah, those who can read binary and those who can't. I gotcha. Yep. This is a better visual joke, by the way, than an auditory joke. But It is. I like, you know. I like it on the t-shirt, too. Yeah. I have some dead batteries that I'm getting rid of. Oh, yeah, they're available free of charge. Oh, sure. <clears throat> I was going to tell a joke about construction here, but I'm oh, still okay. working on it. I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm going <laughs> to crane my neck around to catch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm backloading some of these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Just bulldoze right through that one. <laughs> yep. Oh, you got a hard oh, hat on here, and um, hey, are have you invested in cryptocurrency? Uh, I have. I have not invested in cryptocurrency. Have that you? Would have been a good investment, by the way. Had you, yeah. Had you bought some Bitcoin, like when it first came out, like the guy who paid you know, for pizza in Bitcoin paid like five oh, Bitcoin yeah. for a pizza, but you know. I'd be some really well. There's a new cryptocurrency coming out. Is there? Yes, it's called Decibel. Really? Yeah, I hear it's a sound investment. I gotcha. I gotcha. <clears throat> you should respect people who wear glasses. Why is that? They paid money to see you. They did indeed. This is the one that I like way more than I should this week. <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife she should embrace her mistakes, you know, about personal growth and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She hugged me. Aww. <laughs> uh, hey, there was a coworker named Celsius who just retired from work. Really? They hired, they hired a guy named Kelvin to replace him. Did they? Yeah. He's a temp. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I bought a pair of camouflage trousers last week. I'm not sure if it was my yeah. best purchase or not. Why? I still can't find them. Can't find them anywhere. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Um, I do have a joke about pizza, but it's kind of cheesy. Okay. Yeah, really, it's all about the delivery. I gotcha. Yep. That <laughs> makes sense. another one that I like more than I should. <laughs> Uh, how many apples grow on trees? 
uh, I don't know, how many apples do grow on trees? All of them. And finally, what grades did the pirate get in middle school? In middle school? What grades did the pirate get in middle school? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What grades did the pirate get in middle school? High C's. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Hey, we yep. have an uh, Eileen Award this week. We do. We have not given out the Eileen Award in a long time. It's true, we haven't. But we have one this week. Yeah? This one Tell this us about week. It. And just a reminder that the Eileen Award, it's a completely random award from someone yes. we've never met. Right. And it comes with a hug from Eileen. All you have to do is find her. Again, we have never met her. We have no idea what she looks like. We believe that she is probably on the West Coast. Yeah, but, but we, we have, it's our guess. Other than that, um, <laughs> this week um, the Eileen Award goes to Shannon Lundgren. Yay, Shannon. Yay, Shannon, who I believe <laughs> is on the East Coast. <laughs> but hey. Shannon, uh, thank you for the email. We we appreciate it. We appreciate you reaching out to us. Um, and if you're ever on the West Coast and you find Eileen, she is willing to give you a hug if you can find her and tell her that you're her. an Eileen Award winner. You know, it's kind of like the sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants, three steps to taking over the world. <laughs> kind of thing but hey somebody that we can find yeah i don't know if he would i don't know if he's a hugger or not he hugs his guitar he hugs his guitar that. that's true uh someone we can find and we are very happy to have found and as part of the show um is of course the wonderful dave bidlowski and this week He's got a nice, um, a nice little citizen um, science project for you, um, and this is a great middle school one. Just go with the title, and you're already halfway there. <laughs> oh yeah, right. So here, um, and this involves breeding as well. So you know, hey. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski with the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the January-February 2022 edition of Science Scope, a magazine for middle school science teachers published by the National Science Teaching Association. And I read the section, Citizen Science, written by Jill Nugent. And she wrote an article entitled, The Woodpecker Cavity Cam Project. And she wrote that red-headed woodpeckers are boldly colored, medium-sized woodpeckers that are native to North America. Although the species was once considered common, the woodpeckers' numbers have declined over the last 50 years, mainly due to habitat loss. 
Conservation efforts are underway to help restore the species, and the Woodpecker Cavity Cam Project invites you to play a role in the overall conservation success story by participating in cutting-edge, real-world research. Red-headed woodpeckers can be fierce defenders of their territory. However, much is still unknown about their behavior and interactions at the nest cavity site. The Woodpecker Cavity Cam Project is designed to help fill gaps in the understanding of the species. The cavity cam videos recorded at the field site in Minnesota are shared on the Zooniverse platform so that anyone with an internet connection can participate in this exciting real-world research. And you can visit the website at scistarter.org slash woodpecker dash cavity dash cam. The project goal is to study animal interactions at red-headed woodpecker nest cavities. The task of students is to identify animals and observe animal behavior in videos from trail cams. And the most appropriate science discipline is life and environmental science. In this project, students will observe those amazing woodpeckers in their natural habitat as they help to advance current understanding of red-headed woodpeckers. To get started, you visit the Project Home website. And if you like, you can create a free account and also view a helpful Getting Started tutorial to see an overview of the project tasks. An online field guide is accessible from the project page and is available for quick reference. There are three aspects to the online project, and they include one, identifying animals that are present on the cavity cam video clips, two, documenting behavior observed, and three, providing insights related to specific banded red-headed woodpecker individuals that may appear. Any and all participation is welcome. The project homepage provides information on each of the three aspects. Students will enjoy viewing the cavity cam video clips, identifying animals that are present in the clips, as well as observing interactions and behaviors that are seen on the videos. For example, your students may see squirrel predation attempts at the nest site, interactions among red-headed woodpecker parents and their offspring, food delivery such as insects and nuts to the nest site, and more. Participation in the project advances a greater understanding of red-headed woodpeckers, especially relating to the habitat that supports nest success and survival. After viewing the cavity cam video clips, students may be able to generate additional questions as their curiosity is sparked. The project provides an array of educational resources that are available online for teachers and students. The resources were developed in 2021 by Minnesota Master Naturalists and volunteers. Free downloadable activities, games, quizzes, presentations, and more are available for the classroom. The resources facilitate extended exploration into the project topic and help to supplement the overall learning experience. Immersion in the project and its educational activities will provide students with authentic science experience as they address research questions relating to nesting behaviors, competition, influences of nest success, predation, and more, while also adding to a greater understanding of red-headed woodpeckers and their important role in the environment. Once again, the website is 
scistarter.org slash woodpecker dash cavity dash cam. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. Have you, have any of your science teachers, this is a total random aside, have any of your science teachers done like citizen science, trail cam kind of things with uh, with the kids? Um, I know of a teacher uh, up north in Saginaw area that just started uh, something like that with the trail cam thing, mm, okay. and they're getting some really good results from it. Uh, she posts every now and then uh, about it. Um, well, Carrie, her name's Carrie. Um, she married my cousin, so that's how I know Carrie. Um, and she's a science teacher up there, and um, and she put like I said, she posts some things every now and then. They've gotten quite a few uh, white-tailed deer, which have been fun to look at. And I know some other things, but I just uh, haven't kept up with all of it yet. But it's a wonderful project. She absolutely loves it. Uh, she also will take off for a couple of weeks during the summer and go off and count the wolves up on Isle Royal. So oh. she's a very adventurous uh, lady. Because I know there is the Rouge River project, where's, and there's been a yes. lot of work with the Rouge River, and that is um, yep. somewhat in, your, in the neighborhood there. So... Actually, it's yep. very much it in flows, the neighborhood. So flows right on by our district, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just wondered. So, all right. So last week, I need to apologize to Sean. We had the um, the the missing Mister McGurr last week. Um, there was an update. Something went afoul, and um, I could not get the sound back, so I couldn't fix it. So um, hopefully this week is <laughs> is uh, going to be fixed. As we, you know, we did a, we had to do some updates and updating. So my apologies for last week. So yeah, things happen sometimes. You'd think having yeah. done this five hundred and some odd times I, I wouldn't make mistakes like that, but mm, it's all on me. I will say this. We, we always, we do a good job of finding all the new ways to, <laughs> to make mistakes in podcasts. This was a new one. Yeah. yeah. Look like yeah. things were going. And, um, you might have the opportunity to move classrooms. Might have <laughs> the opportunity as in, I've been told it's going to happen. I don't have a choice. Yes. We're moving from, so here's the irony. Uh, I, I taught in the building that we're moving to. And uh -huh. one of the reasons for leaving the building I taught, uh, I was teaching in was because it gets just short. Of, since you mentioned Kelvin, it gets just short <laughs> of about 100 degrees Kelvin in the, uh, in, in the room I was in, room 204. And one of the, the nice things about going back to the middle school was I could have a room on the first floor with nice windows and... I could get some breeze, and it wasn't going to be a hundred Kelvin in my room. And it looks like uh, it looks like that I am going to get um, I'm going to get my room back. Uh, they're going to move the middle school over to the high school, and I'm going to get my room with a hundred Kelvin in it, and it's going to be um, roasty toasty in there again. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So you'll always have a warm lunch, is what I'm hearing. Um, 
let's put it this way. I will be able to set up a grill and grill <laughs> in my room and not use any other fuel. So I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is hot pot is coming. <laughs> oh, that's an excellent point. Yes, I could actually probably set the hot pot on the Univent and, and just let it go. And I could have hot pot by lunch. Yes, I could. You're there right. you go. So one of the things that brought up to me was the idea of, all right, so if you're going to, you're essentially going to start from scratch and let's pretend that you've never been in this room. Is there anything different you would do with a classroom? Like, you know, um, we have, if your district is saying, okay, a whole bunch of people are going to move, are they going to take a look at classrooms and say, how could we reconfigure these? What could we do? What do we need to do for classrooms in the um, in the 21st century, of which we're almost a quarter of the way through? So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, in so I'm looking at the building space that we're in. So the building that I'm moving into. I'm going from a building that was built in the 60s to a building that was built in the 40s. Hmm. And so it's very much um, old-fashioned lecture designed space, right? Right. And so, and I'm not even sure what furniture I'm allowed to take. If I'm going to have the same furniture I have in my room now, I know what I would like to do. Given the space that we have, um, Steelcase has these wonderful little uh, desks uh, and they're they're on wheels. And it's a seat, uh, it's, a, it's the old-fashioned, uh, I shouldn't say old-fashioned, that's not right. You remember sitting in college where you sat down and, and the, the arm would fold up and you flip it over and it formed the yes. desk for the... Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's essentially um, what I would like, except the, the platform area is bigger for like the desk space and um, the, the feet have wheels. And there's a scoop or a bowl underneath the seat where the kids can put their backpack and whatever else underneath there. But you can take and then by spinning and rotating these, you can actually form larger tables and groups. Okay. And because they're they're modular like this, then I can also then say, you know, all right, you're moving this group. We're going to make this group. We're going to want a table of three here, a table of four there. You know, and, and you can be much, much more flexible in your design and style. That being said... COVID kind of kills a lot of that. But if, if we're talking like in a COVID free environment, haha. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, at that's some what point, I would love to do. Yeah. At some point, we're going to be moving beyond that, right? And we'll be, hopefully, be able to do that. And this is <clears throat> the, the district that I'm in right now. We are looking at building a new, um, looking at the possibility of building a new elementary school and middle school. So, and these are some of the questions that we're having. And, you know, some of the things that I'm saying is, okay, look, we got to, we need pass it. We need pathways to, because yes. we don't know what cables we're going to need, but we know, but we need cables and we're looking at flexibility and we're looking at like, okay, how many outlets do you need? Because, you know, a building mm-hmm. that was built in 1940 or 1960 is going to have a certain number of electrical outlets and maybe more would be beneficial at this point. Oh, yeah. 
So, and then we're also looking at, well, you know, what kind of technology should be in place as well, because technology changes, right? You're not just building a building for the next five years. You're building the building to last for X number of years. I don't know what the lifespan of a building is supposed to be at this point, but... We don't need um, Yeah, but... But, you know, let's, so let's say it's 50 years. So in 50 years, technology is going to be very different again. So are you looking at putting in um, displays? Are you looking at, you know, 75-inch, 102-inch displays, display panels? Are you looking at putting in projectors? What is it that you're looking at putting in? Um, and how is it going to be used? So... So I was just wondering, because it's going to be on, on one level, you know, it's a, it's a chance to, to start fresh because potentially, although I don't know if they are or not, you know, are they going to clear the room out and, or do you, or do they leave everything in there and you're dealing with that, I guess. <laughs> so well, we're, we're in a weird situation in that the previous owner, so our, our, our building is, our high school is moving into a former college mm -hmm. and they left everything. I and mean, it's like they, 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 they locked the door, passed over the keys and walked away. The microscopes are still there. The security wow. system is still there. The tables are still there. The chairs are still there. Everything is still there. Hmm. And so when they're walking into a fairly, a fully furnished building, um, you know, it's a good question because, I used to teach at the high school and I can tell you right now, there's not a lot of tables at the high school. I will also say that the rooms are smaller. And so the, the number of tables that I have will not fit into the Ooh. classroom I'm going to get. So what happens then? Right. So I don't know. Right. And that's interesting. And I'm sure there was some consideration as to like why you pick one building over another building as well you are far more sure than any of the rest of us are. <laughs> so um because i know that you know most like like we've done um analysis of like how much it is to address building issues because the buildings are um, I don't remember how old they are, but they're not as, they're not like super, they're not like, they weren't like built in 1920s. Like I came from a building that was built in 1929. That's the building yeah. I was a principal of, right? Mm -hmm. yep. um, 1928, sorry, 1928. Um, and I think these were built in the, might have been the 60s. But they're, you know, they've done the cost-benefit analysis. It's going to cost more to address some of the issues that need to be fixed. And then that's very temporary, right? Because you're addressing a bunch of things, but then the other parts of it are still aging and deteriorating in that as well. So, um, you know, they did a lot of work on <clears throat> on that as far as, okay, you know, are you, are you, do you throw, do you throw good money <laughs> after knowing that it's, it's only going to have a lifespan of, you know, 10 years or 20 years. Whereas if you spend the same amount of money for a new building, then you're looking at 60 years or, you know, whatever. So, 
<clears throat> but I wondered because there's been a lot of talk about flexible classrooms and um, there's been a lot of work. Um, ISTE, geez, it's been um, probably five, seven years now, did the Classroom of Tomorrow. And oh, yeah. that was like the big focus um, uh, a while ago. Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. um, and a lot of those things, it really depends on what your teaching style really is too, right? Like you can come yep. up with a great flexible classroom, but if your teaching style is having the kids sit in rows and do worksheets and multiple choice tests, then okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. All right. Yeah, this, uh, you need planned LGI space too. That's another issue. Yeah. One of the things that's changed for me is because I, 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 I kind of had to find office space for myself. So I have a I have a small office and it's fine with me. I don't need a, you know, I don't need a huge office or anything. It's not about that. But one mm -hmm. of the things that I really discovered is for a lot of things, I really can work from anywhere. Right. So for a lot of what I do. I could I could work remotely, um, especially with COVID, where it's limiting how much you can get together with people. You know, yep. I mean, I'm conscious of that still. <clears throat> I think if it it makes it more um, obvious, more beneficial, more practical. You know, I it's like I I, I don't I I drive to sit in an office by myself. I could not drive and sit in an office by myself and do the work that I need to do. Um, there are days when I need to meet with people and, you know, that that's cool. But it's just kind of interesting that remote work has become more, more possible, more practical. Mm -hmm. So we just had our third weather-related uh, day off. Not so one, we. not two. We had number three in a row. We had our, all three hours in a row. Oh, we did not. Yep, ours were one, two, three, back to back. One, two, three. There seems like there should be a song in there somewhere. Um, uh huh. the The reason that I bring that up is because kind of the 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 deal, the program, the plan is three days of traditional school related hey go out and have fun kind of days although at least two of ours were like ice days <laughs> i mean officially it's like snow day but it was because there was so much ice right. that you know it yeah. made it Same was here. dangerous for people to be on the roads for kids to be out and so i don't know how much the kids got to go out and have a traditional you know, make snowman and kind of, kind of thing. But, yep. but the, the, the plan is three days and then we're having remote learning days. So weather related days oh. from here on out will be remote learning days. And I wondered if you guys were doing something similar or, um, no, we are doing no, we're doing no. <laughs> no. Um, 
Well, we're we have an interim superintendent right now. We're in a superintendent search mode, and um, she has said, told us that you know, no, it's we're going to keep the childhood uh, snow day, um, and um, of course we also have this little clause <laughs> in our in our contract that says if the students aren't at school, the teachers aren't at school. In other words, there's no school that day, and so oh. um, yeah, so. Uh, and be a little hard for her to say, all right, well, we're going to do remote learning because, you know, and she's not there to make changes or, you know, right. to, I will, I will say this. Um, I have heard from multiple sources uh, at school um, uh, how much uh, they appreciate her leadership in uh, particularly right now, but so this lady that we've got in here as our super in, in, interim superintendent is just doing a bang up job, and um, <laughs> one one board member is purported to have said, "Oh my word! Can you imagine if we had this 15 years ago? Well, 15 years ago <laughs> is when the other superintendent was hired." <laughs> so I thought oh. that was interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Because if we had this, I mean this. Wow, what a difference. Um, anyway, um, but she's come, out, come right out and said, no, we're going to do traditional snow day. If it's a snow day, it's a snow day. You know, kids go enjoy, um, take care of little blisters and bothers. I mean, sisters and brothers. Um, go take care of uh, the snow on the sidewalk. Go to your neighbor's yard, make a snowman, make hot chocolate, mm-hmm. you know, do that sort of thing. And... Um, I I actually had a kid who messaged me uh, Friday and said, could you please open the quiz now? Because traditionally Friday we have a quiz and they want me to open the quiz in Moodle. So I thought, <laughs> bless your heart, but no, I'm not going to make you do work on on a snow day. Hmm. Um, the scary other scary part is I got a message, message this morning and said, uh, Miss McGurr, I can't do any of the chapters because I'm not apparently in this class. And he's a kid who showed up at, not at the beginning of the year, so he He's not in that whole loop thing, and um, so I, uh, so I have to add him in each quarter or each time I, I change to a different Moodle class. And I thought to myself, that's nice. He wants to do his assignments that were due on Friday that he didn't do on Monday and Tuesday when we had school. Interesting. <laughs> now he wants in on Saturday, so I'm just laughing on the inside, right? But I'm not going to hold it against him or hold you know, the other things against the, the students because uh, we're, we're, we're going to do a snow day. And, I, and my assignment for the kids was, look, don't worry about getting, you, you have to have chapter 27 done. That's fine. But right. chapter 28, I know we started, it's big. You know, don't even worry about it. We'll do it when we get back next week. Uh, your assignment is to go shovel your yard and shovel your neighbor's, neighbor's yard. Do that and I'm happy. And one of the reasons that I asked is because I think you're in a different situation than a lot of teachers um, in that I think that for you to do remote learning wouldn't be that big of a stretch. Um, no, it'd be easy. Yeah. You, you've got the structures in place and you've got the resources in place and, um, you know, kids know to go to Moodle. They're they're using Moodle anyway, you know, largely anyway. So, yes, there would be some changes, but I think that you could very easily move into that. And that's not, I still don't think that that's the experience for everyone. So, you know, so I, I'm just curious there. 
you know. Um, yep. <clears throat> and you know, it's one of those things that's been been interesting. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how how it goes. It'll be interesting to see how many days, how many more snow days that we have too. This is the you know, I know every winter is different, but this is the first winter in Maine for for to see how snow days go. And and quite frankly, a lot of the days have hit on the weekend, <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. it's been, you know, like a Saturday snowstorm. And then Sundays, you know, most things get cleaned up. And so timing has been um, it's been good for for school as well. So. Speaking of timing, I think it's time yeah. to take a look at the Twitterverse. Oh, Twitterverse. Well, there's only only two items in the Twitterverse this week, and they're both from Typical Edgy Celebrity, which comes with the Typical Edgy <laughs> Celebrity caveat, which mm -hmm. is typically he's um, satire and humor. So take it in, the, uh, in spirit for which it was uh, intended. So two posts from Typical Edgy Celebrity. Teachers who are required to submit their lesson plans one year ahead of time, it's important that you also describe what you plan or when you plan to blink and breathe during instruction. Admin can provide guidance on how to do that more efficiently <laughs> and thus have more time for teaching. And so that that's kind of comes real, along. That, I know that that part is. I, I'm, but the whole idea of submitting lesson plans is something that is being pushed throughout the country right now. And there are several states that are working at pushing laws forward where um, where teachers would have to post lesson plans. Yeah, there's a, a Senate bill in, in Michigan um, that would, uh, the schools are required to post uh, curriculum, books, and assignments. So you have to design a year's <laughs> worth of assignments to post online. And if your assignment's yet not on there, in other words, you have to have a year-long syllabus mm -hmm. on there. And if it, you don't have it, or if you need to make changes and adapt or do anything like that, you can't do that because it has to be posted up there a year in advance. Um, and do you think it's important to make changes and adapt in middle school? No, no, oh, middle schoolers need change and no. adaptations. And, and you mean middle schoolers are going to get everything the first time we speak and, yes. and, and show and demonstrate something? Yes. Yes. Hello. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, House Bill. So I said Senate. I'm sorry. It's House Bill 5722. So uh, there you go. Um, and I'll post a link to the thing if you want to see the article on it. Um, and I believe it has a link to the actual legislation itself, but, uh, yeah. So, um, these are, uh, um, well, okay. So one of them is from Chesterfield township. Um, and if you're familiar with Michigan politics, there's a lot going on in Chesterfield township this week. The former <laughs> state house speaker yes. is from Chesterfield. Yes. He's been accused of several things. The school that he worked at as a teacher has now come under a huge scrutiny. Um, 
And so uh, maybe this is a chance for them to distract from what's going on there. Uh, the bill is, is less than 200 words long. It essentially boils down to these uh, critical areas. Curriculum approved by the district for each school operated by the district must be online. And I believe ours already is. Uh, each class offered to pupils of the district as part of the curriculum. So now you have to list all your coursework. You have to list the textbooks, literature, research projects, writing assignments, and field trips that are part of the curriculum. You have to list extracurricular activities being implemented during designated school hours or under authority of the school. So in other words, if you have a paid club after school, you have to post what you're doing and all your stuff. And then school districts that don't comply are going to lose 5% of state funding. And these are also bills, there's also bills for this in Indiana, Arizona, and North Carolina as well. And this is almost always really revolving around CRT, right? Um, so, I wonder, because the, it's... Seems to be the basis of of their cry there. So well, we had a parent pushing back on this before CRT was in the news. Um, granted, he was so a little context. I had a a parent who emailed me at eleven forty one on a Saturday night to inform me that his daughter will not be learning any Common Core math in my course. And I said, I promise you, sir, I don't teach any common core math in my course i didn't and i wasn't being passive aggressive i just just not like trying to just diffuse it, diffuse it i right. didn't let him know that i also teach social studies and not math but i figured you know he's a smart guy he'll figure it out he sends me a picture back that says with a with the cover the finger pointing at the cover says common core i said sir i don't teach math i teach social studies and that seemed to end it and then the next week, he informs the math teacher that she, his daughter will not be doing any social studies in her class. And she's like, "That's yeah, that's true. She won't <laughs> be fair. doing any social studies in my class. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. That's I can I can agree with that. Right. And then he, uh, halfway through the year, uh, accuses the math teacher of teaching social studies with a, an American history question, which in seventh grade in Michigan, we don't do American history. We do world history in seventh grade. And um so he's, I don't know where he's getting these assignments from, but it's not from the teachers that in my building, at least on the team. And, um, you know, then he made a big production about pulling his kid out of school. And, um, you know, he's the hero because, you know, he fought the school district and he won. And um, she's now in a different Michigan public school getting the same exact thing as what she would have gotten in mind, but it's better because, you know, we've been through that and that's the, the lens in which I'm seeing a lot of this is there are parents out there that are, this is what they're doing. They just want to fight somebody to fight somebody over something. And a lot of this is, you know, if you'd show up to board meetings, you'd find out a lot about this stuff because it's all talked about and demonstrated and done there. So in my district, this I should, I should say that the, the laws may be coming from that, but in my district, this is the context that we're seeing this in. Right. I don't know if that helps or not, but it's been it's for us. It's been well. Then and then twenty years ago, it was the science curriculum that got this scrutiny. 
Except they didn't have to post it online along with their lesson plans and their whatevers. That's silly. Anyway, I mean, nobody plans a year in advance. Especially since kids' needs change. And, you know, you might get a COVID where they need more support in different areas, like geography. Anyway, I digress. That's all right. As, uh, I, I, had, I had brought it up, so it was kind of my, my fault there. And <clears throat> I just thought it was interesting because we talked about a little bit of pre-show. And the whole idea of posting some of these things is a fundamental lack of understanding on how education mm-hmm. really works. Yep. Um, and the there's a lot of undertones as to why it needs it, why certain groups want it post want curriculum posted. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So yes, oh, that's true. They have they have an agenda. There's definitely an agenda, and um, I just think that, you know, at some point it's an agenda that people have to talk about, and teachers, um, I mean, there's already, we looked at the graph of teachers going in, of, of college students going into education from 2010, and the downward slope of that. And there's a ton of teachers who are saying they're going to, that they're leaving education. Um, and, you know, not all of them will. A lot of it is just frustration. Um, but some will leave education and it's going to be, it could really, really be a question of, is there going to truly be a shortage of teachers coming up? And um, who knows? So... Be the uh, to Office see. of Retirement Office of Retirement Services published their numbers last week, and not talking about people just leaving into a different job. We're talking about people who've said, "You know, it's time. I'm retiring." Uh, there were over eight thousand retirees last year in the state of Michigan. There's no way that Michigan's uh, educational institutions were producing eight thousand replacements. No, uh, Eastern is cut way back. Uh, um, Saginaw Valley has shut down their program. U of D Mercy has shut down their program. Uh, CMU has scaled back their program. Western scaled back their program. You know, they're not producing um, teachers. There's a bill in the in the House or the Senate. I forget which where which one it's in. Um, but they're they're actually thinking about creating a cadre of um, or a cohort of, um, I'm not sure what the right term for it is, but people who would come in and take a job teaching and they would learn on the job from mm-hmm. teacher mentors. Who then, you know, they would teach all day, then they would go to class at night in the school where the teachers there would teach them how to teach. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and districts would get paid to do this. Right. Right. You know, um, if you don't have people that are willing to take, and go get formal training at a university. Uh, I don't know who's going to come and, you know, do it while being under fire, you know, on the job. That was super hard to do. That's, that's just, that's super hard to do. So if teaching all day isn't enough for you, 
No, <laughs> we no, got a plan. Like, uh, we're gonna put you. We're gonna put you through a lab, and then we're gonna give you the training afterwards. It's like what? Anyway, it's kind of like the sorry. joke of uh, of life is the life is the the world's greatest. What is? I, I'm gonna get it. I'm trying to get it right here, but. Um, you know, the whole idea of life is you get the final before you get the the curriculum oh. kind of thing. Yeah. You take yeah. the final, then you get the training. And you get the training. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Typical Edgy Celebrity also had another post this week. It did. Teachers, stop complaining about not being able to go to the bathroom in school. If you weren't so selfish taking time away from your students to eat and drink, you wouldn't have a problem taking more time away to use the bathroom. This is why people complain about teachers. Yeah, yeah, I have to admit, when I saw that one, I had chuckled. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, we can solve this. Just don't eat or drink. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Win-win. Problem. That's right. And you don't have to spend money on lunch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can spend it on other things, like classroom <laughs> supplies. <laughs> Anyways, don't forget hashtag uh, MS Chat every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as Troy says, the Twitter never stops. It does not. Um, speaking of like new teachers. Um, yeah. They're, one of the things that new teachers and, and uh, teachers in general um, need to do is to get kids' attention, and yelling is definitely not always the best way to go about that. So Edutopia has posted seven um, attention getters to use instead of raising your voice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna Ooh. ask you for your thoughts on these. Okay, All number right. one. Yes, the clap that's a good in idea. or snap in. Oh, so the yeah. the clap in is a classic attention getter for good reasons. Um, clapping provides an equally noticeable but far more positive way to get students' attention. Uh, the to use the clap in, simply pick a pattern and have the students repeat it back. As more students join in, the clap gets spread. Uh, across the room until all kids are participating in the clap and ending their conversations. I have a middle school brain, so that is a hilarious sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh Well, so so, uh, the clap in or snap in? Yes. Uh, I do a variation of this where I'll say, if you can hear my voice clap once, you know, and then they know that the goal is that everybody claps like it's one clap, right? Right. If you can hear my voice now, clap twice. It's like everybody, one giant clap, clap, clap. Um, I do that, but I don't do the, what they're doing there because it can easily be hijacked by a number of kids and used for nefarious purposes. Because if you hear it, then anybody can start it, right? So you got to, you got to, you have some sort of teacher thing hooked to it to say, no, it's just attention on the teacher, not attention on the sound or on the, right. on the thing. Yeah. All right. Next one. All right. Give me five. Yeah. Okay. Um, I give right here this, in the camera. I did it right to the this. camera. Right <laughs> for this attention, get to raise your hand high so students can see you at, um, 
as each student sees a signal, they also raise their hand. Um, this will continue to spread until all students are silently raising their hand. And the one that I've heard is, it, I, I haven't actually seen this one, um, but I've seen this one combined with the next one, which is a class-wide countdown, um, yeah. which is five, four, three, four, two, three. one. So, I, and I've seen that one quite a bit. So, is that one that you've used? You use right now? Like, I used don't it when like? I taught. Yeah, when I taught third and fourth grade, I used those. Mm -hmm. They worked really good for those, especially fourth grade. Sometimes fifth. But as they get older, it's like, yeah, no. And they're 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 so much into their little world that they don't know what you're doing. So um, I attach something to it. This is and again, your your mileage may vary. Um, but I attach something to it, like that sound. That's why I like the if you can hear my voice, clap once, right? And it's a one time thing. And like, oh, I missed it because there's that fear of missing out element. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I stick my hand up there in the air, they're going to go, oh, his hands, his hands raised. Hey, Susie, look, his hands raised. <laughs> By the way, did you know, right? And did you know? I like, I like Jack Berkmeyer's version of this better, where it's a, he, he stands and he turns to the chalkboard and goes, oh, chalkboard. And he starts talking to the chalkboard, right? Because then, then the kids are going like, he's lost it. Something's <laughs> really wrong, right? There's that unusual f feature to it. So that's that's what I like about it. The countdown thing, unless there's something that's attached to it, um, I have not had much success with it. But and then I keep it. I don't do a lot of variety with a lot of this because um, it's just a too much for me to remember. I'm getting old, and b um, you know they hear the one thing. That's all they have to remember is one thing, and they got yeah. it. So, it needs to be ingrained. Yeah. Number yep. four that they have is call and response. Yeah. The, this is this is one. Um, the Michigan Renaissance Festival was was my best example of this. And mm -hmm. Dead Bob, and I loved it. Dead Bob. Dead Bob is actually passed away now. But Dead Bob's stick was he had a skeleton. He was a ventriloquist, but his face was okay. covered because he was the zombie. So it was the world's greatest. It's like I could do that kind of ventriloquism, <laughs> right? Because right. you didn't have to. But he was hilarious, and the he did a call and response, and he would do, "Hey, audience," and the audience had to say, "Hey, what?" Right, and he would teach you this at the beginning. Right. And so he could bring you back when he needed to. As things, if things started getting off the rails, he would just you go, "Hey, audience!" and "Hey, what?" So it's that participation part was really for for him. But it's that call and response, right? It's when yeah. kids get to, and then kids get to say something as well, so they get to participate, and it can change their brain because now they're. They're actually saying something that they're supposed to say. And it's hard for Susie yep. to have that conversation with somebody if she's yeah. saying, hey, what? <laughs> so <clears throat> um, number five is timer uh, slash song. And this is when um, 
instead of using the teacher's voice, you can use a song or a timer um, to get that out. Go ahead. Yeah, there's there's an app called Big Old Timer, and it's exactly what it says it is. It's a big old timer. Yep. And I on a Promethean board, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just hit the hit the timer and I set it for however many minutes, right? And um, it, the entire room then can see how many minutes they got on something, right? And right. it's been a wonderful thing. The big old the big old timer thing. Uh, let me jump back just for a second. The call and response thing. There is a a, a Gettysburg battlefield guide uh, who uses call and response as part of his shtick for the, mm-hmm. the battlefield tour at Gettysburg. And it is phenomenal how well that works. And mm-hmm. he has the kids eating right out of his hands by the time he gets down to the end of the thing and they'll do anything. And each that call and response has just got them hooked and, and, and looped in. It's a wonderful tool. One, it's a skill that I wish I had more time to, to master as well as I wish I'd mastered it when I was younger. Um, but it's a wonderful tool with, with middle school kids. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, Jump no, back no. on you there. <clears throat> no. And like I said, I think that I know that several like presenters use it because it does, it gets you tied oh, yeah. in. It gets you focused as to, to what's going on and participating. So um, it's something that I think you can probably build in um, thoughtfully. And the call and response, I think, can actually change as well. All right. Number six, hit the lights. Um, yeah. This is where you quick flash of the lights can alert students something is about to happen. <clears throat> Thoughts? Um, I did it with uh, fourth graders when I taught fourth grade. <laughs> and it works nice. Um, but uh, middle schoolers are like, ooh, flashing lights. Let's just go. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had the same success with them. And I, I really don't. The kids want the lights off. Yeah, this one's not school. my favorite, yeah. personally. Yeah, so I've not had as much success with this one at the middle school. And number seven is sound effects. These can be obnoxious. Or they can be not obnoxious. Um, and the one they identify here is um, an air horn, by the way. <laughs> oh. So. Um, okay. And this is one that I can that I absolutely can see working. It depends on your personality, whether you use an air horn or you use chimes. I know a lot of teachers use chimes really effectively. They have like the little xylophone kind of things, and it's ding, yeah. ding, and the kids hear that, and they know that they that oh now is when I'm supposed to be paying attention. And I've even seen teachers where they have the, the 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 like the little xylophone, and they'll have a kid go up and play the xylophone thing, and it gets yep. you know even more attention that way. So. So seven cues that you can use to get the uh, get the the eyes and the focus back on you. So you can check those out. <clears throat> um, books. 
Any good books that you're reading right now? Any educationally focused books that you're reading? Uh, well, I um, I just it's not educational. That's the thing. I just I pick up a book on Lee by uh, Doctor Golf. Um, I'll have to get the the title, but um, I, I listened to a, a interesting interview uh, with the author. On, on Lee, and in particular, he was uh, some of the questions centered around, um, you know, people are tearing down Lee statues based on um, what they know of Lee, and the author was like, you know, most people don't know anything about Lee; they're just tearing it down because of, you know, their interpretation in modern day. And this was very fascinating um, to listen to him talk about. Um, what Lee was really like going in and actually delving into him. So it, it, it got me interested and I want to know more about Lee. And I also realized there was a lot of, I didn't know about Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I'm reading right now. And I've decided that I'm taking a little break. I, uh, there's a, there is a, uh, a book from AMLE that I'm, is on my list to read that list. I started it. Um, however, I'm kind of, uh, edu booked out right now. So I'm going to go for the, one on Lee. I'll find it. I'll share it. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of... I've been reading more lately um, and reading a lot of fiction. Um, so... But over at Middleweb, they have their 2022 Winter Book Review Festival. Ooh. Um, and they have 23 books. Um... They have, uh, including uh, a toolbox packed with practical math ideas, um, where reading and writing converge, empower students with metacognition skills, 19 things great teachers do differently. That's by Todd Whitaker. Todd Whitaker writes some good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, How to empower students as questioners. Leadership through connected relationships. All you need to teach writing in small groups. Um, this one might be beneficial for you here, Sean. How do we audit your K twelve literacy curriculum so that when you post it online, it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's coming next. I'm sure it's probably going to be our summer uh, assignment. Um. Using guiding pra- guided practice with hesitant readers, trauma-informed schools to support all students. Um, knowing when to use technology in class. Um, uh, one of those ones that... Um, I don't think I've read that one. I've read a lot of things with technology, but not that one. A Deep Look into the Middle Grades Mindset. Um, that's by Drew Tomlin. Um, oh, he's he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. And um and more. There's there's more there. So if you want to check out their um their their books. Uh, the book that I'm reading right now is by Josh Ritter. I can't tell you the title of it because it would not be in alignment with our clean tag. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> but it is okay. it is it is uh he also wrote wrote bright's passage which i just read not too long ago um and it's um historical based fiction so that's cool all right um i also wanted to provide a link for you on a parenting expert sharing five toxic mistakes that can make kids more selfish and entitled. And I thought that I would um, share that in case you need to share that with parents. And it's just kind of um, something that is practical, but it comes from somewhere else. And those five things are for parents. Remember, this is parent-focused. Saying yes to almost everything. Failing to create teaching opportunities. Not addressing what's happening in the world giving them everything without enforcing gratitude and not introducing them to volunteer work. So I thought those were interesting and that can be a nice resource for you um, in working with, um, working with parents. Um, I do have a web spotlight this week as well. And this is a uh, uh, Medi Madi, uh, Madi Orca, or, Orticondi, Sedley. I am glad it's you and not me. I'm really sorry, but um, I'm sorry, Madi. Um, I don't think that I pronounced that correctly. But this is what happens in your brain when you pay attention. And this is six minutes long. Um, but again, I think it's part of that teaching kids to think about what they're doing and how they're doing it and being cognizant of what's going on. And he talks about, um, he talks about, um, overt and covert attention. So it might be something good to share with your kids. There is another thing you might want to share with your kids as well. And that's, um, well, I'll let you explain what you might want to share with them. Um, yes, I'm sharing the uh, tag right now for uh, Robert E. Lee, A Life by Alan. I told him I pronounced the last name Golzo, um, the professor, Dr. Alan Golzo. So I, those links are now in the show notes. Um, you're talking about the random thoughts section, I hope. Yes. The cold medicine is really kicking in, by the way. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's there. A time to make cepellini. So we've put a put a post in the past about uh, a recipe for uh, uh, um, uh, warm and fuzzy foods. Let's put it that way. I don't know about fuzzy, but warm and uh, you know comfort foods. That's the word I'm looking for. I couldn't I couldn't pull out of my hat there. Uh, and cepellini is definitely a comfort food. It's a uh, it's a it's a potato uh, sausage uh, sour cream um, deliciousness. Um, and the, the, I put a YouTube link to the video on how to make it. Um, you should, uh, while that you're in, you know stuck in two or three feet of snow or main ice, um, mm -hmm. you know think about uh, making some cepellini and uh, enjoying those. Uh, particularly if you've got uh, any any affinity for Polish or Lithuanian food, you will really like uh, this dish. There you go. It's is this something you shared like last year or a couple years ago during the winter as well? Uh-huh. Yep. It's perfect. I seem for it. to remember. I seem oh, yeah. to remember this. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it needs to be, it's time to make it. It's, it's, it's that time. Um, and in the spring, um, I'll, I'll share the salt of uh, recipe again, cause it's good spring food. But this, this is for, if you're stuck in the house in Maine, in an, and, and you need, you know, somebody just needs a good Polish Lithuanian recipe to, to knock out. All right. This would be that. This would be that. It would indeed. And if you're looking for something to do while you're cooking away, you might want to wander over to middleschoolmatters.com. Check out the links there. There are links to everything we talked about. There's even links to things that we talked about, but you didn't hear last week uh-huh. <laughs> as well. So, um, you know, you can you can recreate that as well um and we would love to hear you from you um and who knows maybe the eileen award can go your way as well we also would appreciate if you head over to itunes and give us a five-star rating or give us a five-star rating on whatever the pod catcher of your choice is and tell us why sean is the world's greatest co-show host um, so with that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care.